it was our 15th birthday this week, Harmony, on the 15th. That was pretty cool. I forgot to say that in the first service. But we're actually celebrating it next week. Uh, because next week we've got um, we've got a guest artist, uh, Morgan Faleolo, who is going to come, and he we've got a night on on Saturday night of worship. Oh, it's, it's amazing! It's just heavenly. Make sure you come, and then he'll be at both services nine and eleven on Sunday morning. So, and that's celebrating our fifteenth birthday, Harmony. Woo! I'm so happy about that. You know, it's amazing to actually be here at this point and, and to see what God's doing. And uh, we've been working hard as a team on, on uh, getting some more uh, things established as a, as a church. And one of the things that we've been working on, if you were here last week, you would have heard uh, what Gideon was starting to talk about, our kingdom values. Now, these are kind of things that we have identified and we see are really important in the life of the church. So if you weren't here last week... Uh, I'm going to pick up from that, and I'm going to speak about the first one. So the first one is God's presence is our priority. And that's such an important, so important. Everything starts and finishes in God's presence. Nothing happens outside of that, really. Um, so I, I'm coming back to it. <laughs> the Word is our foundation, Prayer releases power. Discipleship is our mandate. Church is family. Love is generous. Miracles are normal. Come on. Miracles are normal. I had a miracle, another miracle this week. Some of you who are friends with me on Facebook would have seen it, and I posted an ugly photo of my tummy. <laughs> Somebody said they thought it was my arm. I was like, what? <laughs> but but um, actually since um, 20, the end of 2020, I developed a really horrible eczema. And um, I had all over my back and my torso these really horrible, itchy, raised red welts. And they were driving me crazy. I went to a dermatologist, he said, yeah, can't help you. Gave me some cream and some antihistamine, didn't help. And then... Um, <coughs> that went to a, a, a um, immunologist. He said, oh, it's a kind of hives. And he gave me some, he gave some more antihistamine and some more cream, none of which helped. And then um, at, the, at the prayer and worship and the fasting, I felt God told me to, to fast, 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 you know, nil by mouth, fast. Um, and so for the first two days of the fast, of our prayer and fasting of the seven days, I just ate um, vegetables and fruit. That was it, to ease myself into it. And then for five days, I did water only. Now, and then I did another two of fruit and vegetables. I tell you what, I felt incredible. I felt amazing. I didn't feel tired. I didn't feel like, ugh, this is terrible, this sucks, because I'd positioned my heart to actually do it. So it was really great. What I noticed by day four, three or four, the welts were starting to fade and they were no longer raised. And now a week later, they're gone. They're gone. 
So what was it? Was it the fasting? Was it the prayer? I, I believe God works through all of those things. So I mean, I'm excited because I don't have those ugly things on my tummy or in my back anymore. And I'm not scratching like a dog <laughs> all the time. So miracles are normal. Honor is our posture and your vocation is your ministry. So I'm going to be talking today about the, the one which I feel is incredible and I feel it's a privilege to get to talk about this subject today and that's God's presence is our priority because God's presence is everything. Now this week, uh, <clears throat> some of you will be aware that my son Jonathan, or well our son, but it's my son, my son Jonathan um, had fairly full-on back surgery where they inserted two titanium screws into, for those of you who are medical, L5S1 and fuse them together. Now, I, as a mother, sat on Thursday waiting and waiting and waiting for the surgeon's call. And I can't say that I wasn't anxious because I was a little bit, that's going into his back, that's scary, he's not even 30. Um, anyway, I sat and I got the phone call and the surgeon said, oh, it's textbook. Everything went well to plan. He's doing really well. We're really happy with it. And I just go like, awesome. That is great news. I am so happy, but I want to be there. Because I love Jonathan. I love all my kids. They all try to figure out who's the favorite, but they're all my favorites. And I love Jonathan and he was in pain, and I just wanted to be in the room. I wanted to see his face because I love him. And it's the same with God. I just want to be in the room. I want to see his face because I love him. When we love God, we just want to be near him. We want to sit with him, and we want to be in his presence. Because the thing is, God is not a doctrine to be studied, but a person to be known. I want to start by talking about two different aspects of presence. And the first one is the omnipresence of God, which is talking about universal accessibility. Everyone, everyone has access. It's always there, even if the awareness of it is not. And we see this expressed most through creation. How many of you have been in creation and have sensed something other? Something other. Now, those of us who are Christians know that it's God, right? But even people who don't know God sense that there's something else at play in creation. And in Psalms, it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. And yet it speaks of the glory of God. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. We see the omnipresence of God all around us. And Jeremiah says, I am a God who is everywhere and not in one place only. No one can hide where I cannot see them. 
Do you not know that I am everywhere in heaven and on earth? Amazing, eh? And then we talk about the second aspect of presence, and that's the manifest presence. And manifest means to demonstrate or show something clearly through signs or actions. Manifest presence is when God reveals his tangible nearness and his presence is discerned by our spirits. When his manifest presence turns up, things happen. And we just experience some of that. Everything changes. The atmosphere in the room changes. Things that were difficult become easy. Things that were heavy become light. God wants to reveal himself to us even more than we want him to reveal himself to us. How amazing is that? But one thing I know is that just one encounter with the manifest presence of God will change our lives forever. I got the, the benefit of this. In 1987, I was uh, leading a YWAM team, there was 10 of us, uh, to India. Now, we had an amazing time. We actually saw many encounters in that, in that time that we're there. And um, ate the street food, no problems. It was great, actually. <laughs> really good from all the, the, the stalls. And then we had a day coming up that was a day off. And so I decided, I had this genius idea, I want to take my team for a wee treat and I'm going to take them to the Taj Mahal Hotel for lunch. Well, you'd think that'd be good, right? We all got sick. But I got especially sick. I got so sick that I ended up in hospital. And it was there for three weeks. Um, I was so sick that uh, they couldn't even get an intravenous line into me. I was fitting. In the end, they got one into my foot. And, uh, yeah. But my team, because they already had bookings to go further on in India, they had to leave. And they had to leave me there in the hospital. So I was there with a couple of YWAM India people who I didn't know. And nobody else. So I had... No family, no friends. I was in a foreign country, foreign language, in a hospital. I wasn't well. Oh, um, really, really sick. But you know what? I had the most incredible encounter with God. God turned up in that room in a way. It was like he was sitting on the end of my bed. And if I'd reached out, I would have been able to physically, literally touch him. That changed my whole life, that encounter. Because from that point on, I knew, even when we're in the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst situations, God is there for us. We might not see him, we might not feel him at other times, but boy, for goodness sake, he turned up and he showed up and he made his manifest presence real to me in that moment. I'm so grateful for that experience. What about you? Do you sense him? Do you see him? Do you know him? What does it mean to prioritize the presence? Because you see, it's really about making room for him. Whatever space we give to God, he's going to fill and he's going to use it. And we're going to flow in his river. Because our first ministry is unto the Lord. 
And then the second time is we cease from striving and we enter into his rest. And rest isn't the absence of activity, but it's the surrendering of our control and relinquishing operating out of our own ideas and and coming into his peace. Do you live your life out of place of peace, out of a place of rest, or out of restlessness? Are you pursuing his hand or pursuing his face? When God finds someone who will pursue him at any cost, he will not withhold anything from him, only what would be harmful to him. In 1983, there was a pastor in a place called Pensacola, Florida. His name was John Kilpatrick. And he became dissatisfied with his life in God. To all extensive purposes, intense purposes, he was living an amazing life. And his prayers would go along the lines of, God, thank you for my amazing family. Thank you for my amazing church. Because he was leading a church of over 2,000 people. Thank you for, for my ministry. Thank you for everything that you're doing. But God, I'm still hungry. And so he started on... Uh, on his own, and he would go and he would pace the floor up and down, and reports say that he would hit himself in the stomach and bellow like a cow and say, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I'm not satisfied. I want more of you. I want more of your presence. Even in spite of the wonderful church, the wonderful family, the wonderful ministry, and everything looked great on paper. But he was dying inside. But in 1993, he started to lead his church into regular prayer meetings and to pray for revival. That sounds kind of familiar. In 1995, his mum passed away. And he went into a time of of grieving and of mourning. And so one Sunday he invited a visiting pastor, an evangelist of the name of Steve Hill, to come along and to minister, preach the gospel. And so it was Father's Day. He preached the gospel. He preached the good news. And on that moment, at the end of the service, all hell broke loose and was broken and was put away because the river of God came in powerfully into that moment and people's lives were changed, they were transformed, they were healed, they were delivered, they were saved, they were bro- addictions were broken, afflictions were broken and they came into the freedom of the Holy Spirit. True transformation was happening. John was seated on the stage when this all happened. And people weren't just falling over and shaking, but they were falling down and being, they were being falling down and being deeply transformed, getting set free from everything that was holding them back from from God. 
from that day, it just continued to grow and grow. And the church opened its doors Tuesday through Saturday evening, revival services to accommodate the thousands and thousands of people who arrived, even without the um, <laughs> social networks and internet back then. And the jungle drums just went all over the world and people would start turning up from everywhere. They were hungry for the presence of God. People would be lining up before dawn and even sometimes camping overnight so they could be in that atmosphere. Amazing. But you know, the people didn't come for Pastor John. They didn't come for, for Pastor Steve. They didn't even come for Lindell Cooley, who's one of the most amazing worship leaders. They came because of the presence of God and the encounters of God. So that continued on for many years. But John and Steve and all those who came were not only hungry, but they were famished. And I use that word because that's what the Bible uses. They were famished. So it was like they were in a famine. They were starved. They were dry. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They wanted more of the Spirit of God. And in Proverbs it says, The Lord will not allow his righteous soul to famish. How good is that? That means that there's a promise in that, that he's going to feed us, that he's going to nourish us. Because here's the thing. The same God that visited Brownsville, Pensacola, is listening to us, and he's here with us today. Good, we've got one amen over there. <laughs> Desiring to meet with us. But how famished how hungry are we? In the Old Testament, the high priest was the only one allowed to enter into the presence of God. And that was once a year. And reading from Exodus, the Ark of the Testimony, just to explain, or Ark of the Covenant, carried, um, carried the, ten, the, the stones that carried the Ten Commandments. And it was also known as carrying the presence of God. So in Exodus we read, And you shall hang the veil from the clasps. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. And people couldn't go in there. The general public couldn't go there. Not even the other priests. Only the holy, the high priest. And then in Hebrews we read, But only the high priest went into the inner room. He went in only once a year. He never entered without taking blood with him. He offered the blood for himself. He also offered it for the sins that people had committed because they didn't know any better. But Christ came in Hebrews as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. And then Hebrews 10, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Then in Matthew, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, 
and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. The veil was broken from top to bottom. Now, this is a piece of material that apparently was a hand's width thick. Hands with thick fabric torn from top to bottom. Who did that? It would be a big job even if it was bottom to top. In fact, it would probably be almost impossible, but it was top to bottom. But this week when I was reading in Hebrews, it gets even better. Because... It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus is the veil. Jesus is the veil that was torn in two. It was his blood that changes everything. Jesus is the veil. That was such a revelation to me. I've read that verse, I don't know, countless times, and I've never seen it like I did this week. And it just dropped into my spirit, and I'm going like, that changes everything. That Jesus is the veil that was torn for us. That not only do we, can we come into the Holy of Holies, but wait, it gets even better. Because he was split and shed his blood that we might become the habitation of the Holy Spirit, which makes we are now the Holy of Holies. What? We are now the Holy of Holies. How is that possible? That, guys, this is the best news. This is the best news. We now become the habitation of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy of Holies. Oh, this wrecked me. I sat on my couch and I was screaming at Gideon, did you know this was here? And he said, yeah, I knew it was here. I was like, mm -hmm. of course you did. You've got a theology degree and I don't. Um, but I said, but did you know? He says, no, not really. <laughs> See, the presence of God is now fully accessible, but we can still hide from it. Why would you, right? Adam and Eve tried to hide from the presence of God after they disobeyed him in the garden. In Genesis it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. There was shame and guilt, and shame and guilt can keep us from the presence of God. But God wants us to know that there is no hostility, no condemnation between us and him. There's no distance, nothing between us, just love. We have been brought to peace by God. There's no wall between us and God, no veil separating us. He removed the wall. The body was torn in two. The veil was torn in two. 
This is incredible news. Incredible news. We have become one with the Lord. His Spirit lives in us and we live in Him. We're inseparable from Him. He will never leave us or forsake us. He promises to stay with us throughout all eternity. In Corinthians, we read, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What we behold, we become. What are we beholding? What are we watching? What are we listening to? We are transformed by being in His presence, beholding His glory. Everything changes in His glory. In Psalms it says, He will show the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God wants to give us a greater encounter of who is not just, of who He is, not just what we think we know about Him, but to really know Him. And I mean know him like a man and wife know each other. It's that same word. To be known. It's that same level of intimacy. Yes, we are seated in heavenly realms with Jesus. And we no longer have to die to meet God. Jesus is our door. And John, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when we desire to meet with him, he will meet with us. People don't just go to church to hear the sermon or to see the pastor, even if he's good looking. Well, I think he's good looking. Are you questioning my choices? Oh, thank you. I think he was a good choice most days. <laughs> People don't want to go to church to sing the latest, greatest songs, even when they've got an amazing worship team like we have at Harmony Church who take us into the very throne room of God. People don't go to church to see other people. Not really. They'll do that a wee bit, but they won't sustain that. But they go to church because they want to meet with God. We come together to meet with God. That's our purpose for gathering, together. And we, as a church, we can put on all kinds of programs and activities. We can pray more. We can worship more. But it's simply the presence of God that makes all the difference. It changes everything, and it can be in a nanosecond. Everything can change. The Bible talks about two different kinds of glory. And one is the kabod glory, which is the heaviness of presence of God. And sometimes we experience that. We encounter that in worship and it's just like, whoa, I just need to get to my knees. I'm not going to do that because I've got a meniscus problem. <laughs> um, we come to our knees because there's a weightiness 
There's a heavy, heavy presence of God, and that's the kabod glory that we encounter. And then there's the Shekinah glory, which is the manifest presence of God, where he shows us his glory. He wants to bring Shekinah glory, kabod glory, on our lives, right here, right now. Do we want it? Oh, you guys are much more responsive than <laughs> Are we open to receiving that? How hungry are we for that? Do we believe it makes a difference? Do we really? Because, you know, if we really thought that it made that much of a difference, wouldn't we be pursuing it more? And Samuel talks about the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Dagon was a Philistine idol that they bowed down to. And when the people of Ashdod arise early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they arised early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Wow. Every idol has to bow at the, the presence of God. When the presence of God comes, Dagon's fall. Strongholds fall. Addictions fall. Afflictions fall. The presence makes all the difference. How do we get the presence of God? You went quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> it's really easy. It's returning to our first love. We need to hear his voice. How? Prayer. Prayer, secret place. Good answer. Prayer is not a religious thing that we do. We don't come with our shopping lists, lists and uh, petitions before God, but we breathe in the atmosphere of heaven. We are still, and we know that He is God. It's hanging around Jesus. The more we do that, the more He rubs off on us, just like every person, you know. People say, show me your friends, and I'll show you who you'll be in 10 years. The more time we spend in the Word, the more we get to know Him. It's not just knowing about God. It's about knowing Him. The more we look at Him, the more we see Him. The more we become like Him, the more power and anointing we walk into. And we, go, we can go to Bible college. Hey, Bible college is great. I recommend it. It's a good thing. And we can hang out with godly people. Also a great thing. But it's 
God that we need to hang out with. God we need to hang out with. We're going to pray for the Shekinah glory, the Kabod glory to open up to us, that God would plant a seed in us that would grow into a great tree of power and presence and anointing. The difference of our effectiveness in the world is our anointing. Anointing is God's ability over our disability or inability. The more of God on us, the more of the kingdom will manifest around us. We won't have to chase revival because it looks exhausting to me chasing revival. We don't have to wait for Pensacola 2.0. We don't have to wait for the next traveling evangelist or prophet to come and to bless us and to give us that little pick-me-up because we become the revival. We, every single one of us, we're the priesthood of all believers, every single one of us in this room. Do we want this? Hey, will we make room? Will we welcome His presence even even if it looks strange and we don't understand everything? Do we really want more for 2024? Or are we content with where we are at? As we start out 2024, do we want to go on this crazy adventure with God? Maybe you're here and you don't know God yet that we're talking about. But even in your spirit, you're sensing something that is different. Today wasn't what you were expecting. Today, there's something strangely warming your heart. And you don't know what it is. And I'm telling you, it's God. All it takes for you to come into relationship with Jesus is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. To turn aside from your own selfish way of doing things and to come into alignment with God's purposes for your life. Do you know Him? Do you want to know Him this morning? If that's you, if you want to know Him, this God that we're talking about, that idols bow to, I'd love it if you just put your hand up as every eye's closed, head's bowed. Do you want to come into this relationship with God this morning? Just put your hand up quickly and then just drop it down. Awesome. Three of you. That's so amazing. This is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. He knows you. He's inviting you into this crazy faith adventure. And I'd love it if we could all pray together for these three who have put their hands up today. Father God, we thank you that you are present here. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you died for us. 
thank you that you forgive our sins and our selfishness and that we can come into relationship with you. And we open our hearts this morning and we receive you in and do the miracle of transformation, we pray, Jesus. In Psalms, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the Father's oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Understand, we're going to pray together. Lord, we want to become a people of your presence. We want to carry and steward your presence. Thank you, Father, you left the Holy Spirit to be with us even to the very end of the age and that we will be your witnesses in every nation. I thank you, you've not left us like orphans, but you've given us the comforter and you've promised we will receive power to be your witnesses. It's your power that makes a difference in our lives. We confess you in ourselves, we are weak. In ourselves, we are powerless. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would ignite our hearts with your presence and with your fire and with your anointing. And I ask God that when we speak in people, there would be a weightiness to our words. When we lay hands on people to pray for people, that there would be a real release of the presence of Jesus on that person. When we ask you, Father, for a greater measure of your presence on our lives, that we would carry it wherever we go. Stretch your hands out now for the infilling of the Holy Spirit because we're continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time encounter. It's a continuous filling and refilling of the presence of Jesus within our lives because He is so good. worship you. We were made to worship you. We were made to worship you. 